Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full time. I am the founder of Rapid, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here for another awesome episode of Human Is My Label. I have an extra special guest today, probably the closest I felt to anyone after meeting them one time, and that is Sarah Rister, and she actually raised Bevy, my guide dog, from the puppy until she was given to me um, and gone to school, of course. But Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. <laughs> so we met, um, I got Bevy in November of 2018. That's so crazy. It seems like not very long ago. Um, and we got, so how we met is at graduation when, when uh, students come in to get their guide dogs, we stay, well, some programs, I stayed in New York for three weeks and I basically was trained. Bevy was already trained. They were training me, um, <laughs> how to use a guide dog. And especially for people like myself who are first time guide dog handlers, um, you know, you definitely want to take the time and, and make sure you're, you're learning how to do it. Cause it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> um, and so at graduation, the puppy raisers have the opportunity to come and watch their dog graduate and watch the student that gets the dog graduate. And so that's where I got to meet Sarah. And it was super fun. Oh my gosh. And um, I watched the video every once in a while when it comes up on my feed <laughs> and watch yes. Bevy just jumping on you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They, they never forget the puppy raiser they started with. Um, and Emily, just like for you, that was your first graduation. That was my first graduation as well. Oh, Bevy was. was my first guide dog. Yep. She was the third puppy I raised. Okay. But the, the first one that made it through everything, you know, being a guide dog is a tough job. So, yeah. you know, we share that in common besides the wonderful dog known as Bebby. So. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. So why don't you tell the viewer, uh, the viewers, the listeners a little bit about yourself and just where you're at in the world and how you got to where, what you're doing. All right. So, um, I know your podcast is a lot about, um, diversity and equity. So I'll mm -hmm. start off by stating I'm a straight, um, female, white, female, able-bodied. I currently work full-time in software development for a medical software company. And I volunteer as a puppy raiser for Guiding Eyes for the Blind. I've been volunteering for about eight years now, just like you looking back on the graduation. I'm like, holy cow, eight <laughs> years. And I'm currently raising my sixth puppy, a male black and tan German shepherd named Hobie. He will be turning one year old next month. Oh he's already 90 pounds of goofiness, happiness. Oh, he's um, huge. 
He is. He is a very big boy. I compare him to Scooby-Doo in his size and his personality. <laughs> That's the great thing about these dogs. They all have different personalities and you learn something from every single one. And so how did you get into puppy raising? What sparked that? So I think with a lot of people's stories, there's kind of a how and a why. My why was I've always loved animals, loved working with dogs, um, loved learning from them. Mm. And I knew raising service dogs, I knew that was a thing that was out there, but it was always that thing I was going to do when I had more time. Oh, okay. Maybe when I get older, when I retire. And then that's kind of where the how piece comes into play. So back in December of 2012, um, you probably remember the tragic event of the Sandy Hook school shooting. Mm -hmm. And after that, people started doing random acts of kindness for the 26 lives that were lost. Mm. So I had decided I was at a place in my life where I was looking for something new and different to try. So I decided my random act of kindness was going to be to become a puppy raiser. Oh my gosh. So I just did a Google search. Guiding Eyes was the first one that came up. I submitted my application and I actually didn't hear anything for a little bit. So, you know, went on with what I was doing with my job. And then one day my mom and I were in a restaurant and we saw this dog beautifully settled under the table, sprawled out. I looked at the dog's vest and sure enough, his head guiding eyes for the blind. No way. So that was kind of my, all right, you need to dig into this further. So I followed up on my application and probably a few months later, I was placed with my first puppy, a little cute yellow lab, 42 pounds, about (laughs) half the size of my Hobie right now, um, named Almond. So that was my my very first puppy. Yeah. Cute. Um, so why don't you explain before we get too much further into it, what is the process of a guide dog from kind of birth, at least with guiding eyes, um, from birth to, um, graduating to a student, what, what does that process look like for folks who don't know that? So it, you know, starts right from the beginning, guiding eyes has their own, what they call the canine development center. Mm -hmm. That's where the puppies are born. That's where they will stay until eight weeks old until they're placed with me, a puppy raiser. Mm -hmm. And socialization starts right from the beginning. They have a socialization room for the puppies to have fun climbing on things and Mm -hmm. listening to noises. And there's all these streamers and stuff for them to get used to looking up and just being very perceptive to things in their environment. Oh, wow. So then before they're actually placed with a puppy raiser, they're puppy tested. And even at their point, there's some puppies that you say, you know what, this would be a wonderful lap dog. They would love life as a pet. <laughs> Let's let them be a pet. But those dogs, if they have the initiative to drive for something a little more challenging, that's when they'll get placed with a puppy raiser. And so as a puppy raiser, I have them, again, I get them when they're about eight weeks old. Oh my gosh. Have them into, so you fall in love with them from the beginning. Oh my gosh. I don't know that's, how. How you can put up with all the naughty stuff that they do as they become teenagers uh-huh. is you have them until they're about 16 to 18 months old. Okay. And during that time, our main job as a puppy raiser, first and foremost, is to teach them impeccable house manners. Mm-hmm. If they are going to be living with someone who's visually impaired or who's blind, they have to be well-behaved in the house. Mm-hmm. They can't be stealing stuff. 
you know, you can't be getting ready to go and wonder where your sock is because Bevy has, you know, <laughs> hit it in the corner of the room. Um, and it, when they're in public places, they mm -hmm. have to carry those manners into every environment they go into. They definitely still get to be dogs. Oh, yeah. That is, you know, a huge <laughs> part of their life, but they do have to have good house manners. And as puppy raisers, where the dog is living right in our home, yeah. we have the best opportunity to set a good foundation for that. Hello everyone, I'm so excited to introduce to all of you Tim Salen, the sponsor of our podcast today. And Tim is with Remax Equity Group, and man, he's different than all the thousands of agents you probably already know. When you're looking to buy or sell a home, and you want somebody who cares, you want somebody who is patient, you want somebody who gives great advice, and you want somebody who is going to get you what you need, you need to call Tim. Um, we also have weekly classes, so it's not like you're just given a puppy and said, good luck, we'll see you in a year. <laughs> that would be disastrous for everybody. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I have loved so much about the program is everyone that you meet in those classes. Mm. The support that Guiding Eyes provides to their puppy raisers, and I'm sure you can see the same thing as a graduate. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. Oh, they yeah. are there for every issue. You never know what you're going to come across and the resources that they give you is amazing. So we have weekly classes. That's where the biggest thing is working on dog distraction with the dogs. Oh, okay. Um, basic obedience as well to become a puppy raiser by no means do you need to be a dog trainer or have this great resume of experience. Guiding eyes gives you all the tools that you need. Wow. Um, and then just basic socialization and helping the puppy build confidence. Um, so then from there, when they are done with their time with their puppy raiser, they go back to Guiding Eyes for what's called an infer training test. IFT is what we refer to it as. Mm -hmm. And that's where similar to the puppy test, the dog is evaluated again to see, you know, is guide work or even just service dog work? Is that something that they really want to do? Mm -hmm. So at that point, you might find a dog where it's, you know what, they'd be so much happier as a pet. Or they might go into detection work, other careers. Mm -hmm. Some of the top dogs, they will be used for the breeding program. Like Bevy. So yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then once they pass that test, they'll go into training, which is four phases, usually takes about six months. But Guiding Eyes will give the dog as much time as they need. Some dogs, it takes longer. Um, and you're right, Bevy is a very unique situation in that she's what's known as dual career. So yes. she first went into the breeding program, was a mother, had a beautiful litter of puppies. And then because Guiding Eyes is so, one of their main um, goals is preserving the health of the breeds and making sure these dogs are healthy. And they did find a genetic risk in Bevy's line, but mm. she was still young enough where she could go into formal training and is now working guide dog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that is, it's just so cool to process. And so then after the IFT, that's when they go to their six months. So you don't see them after you drop them off. Correct. The, and then when graduation usually. Yep. Um, Guiding Eyes is really great about sending the puppy raiser training reports. So okay. at the end of each phase, you will get a report on how your dog's doing, what they've learned in that phase. Um, 
but it is nice to, it's kind of like dropping a kid off at college. If you go and visit them the next day, it's harder for everyone where if you drop them off, let them adjust. And even in between the time when the pup is dropped off in the IFT test, you drop them off on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, and then they aren't tested until the Tuesday. Um, in normal times, COVID obviously has changed a ton of things, Yeah. but in normal times, puppy raisers could go and watch the test. Okay. And that was always so much fun. And then you could see the pup afterwards. So that oh was gosh. another great reward for us puppy raisers. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. I always wondered about the question about having any kind of dog training skills um, beforehand. So that's, that was a good, good addition. Um, so with your, you have your own dogs at home, correct? I do. Yes. So as you know, I mentioned throughout the um, journey of a guiding eyes dog, that journey doesn't always end with them being a guide dog. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I love about guiding eyes is that they do listen to the dog and what the dog wants to do. Yeah. So the first pup I raised almond, the little spunky yellow lab, she's exactly where she should be. She does explosive detection down in Miami, Florida. So no she's way. partying it up down there. Wow. Um, yeah. Super awesome job to have. And perfect for her. And then my second dog was a German Shepherd. And when she was about a year old, she developed allergies. Oh, no. So if there are any medical concerns that would make it harder for the dog to work or place a financial burden on the person they may be placed with, Guiding Eyes will make the difficult decision to release the dog from the program. Yeah. So it's not always that they don't pass the training, it's the the medical side of it too. Exactly. Yes. Mm. And as careful as Guiding Eyes breeds the dogs, there's always those things that are out of our control. Absolutely. Um, And so as her puppy raiser, I had the first choice to adopt her. Um, And actually about the month before, the first dog I had as an adult passed away. Oh, no. So it was kind of one of those things where, okay, and her name's Ocala. Mm. Ocala is meant to be with me as my next pet. Yeah. So adopting her was kind of a no-brainer as long as I could afford um, the vet bills of being an allergic dog. Yeah. You know, that's that can, um, and actually a fun little fact, Ocala has the same mother as Bevy. Oh, so, no way. Yeah. Oh, my So God. they were half sisters. And I do have to say, out of all the puppies I've raised, um, Bevy has been Ocala's favorite. And <laughs> Ocala course. is very picky. If you know Ocala, she <laughs> sets boundaries, you know, straight and fast. Oh, my God. Bevy was her favorite. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yep. So I have Ocala. Okay. And then third dog was Bevy. And we all okay. know where she is. Yep. And then fourth dog is Napa, who um, she's also a German Shepherd. She's actually long haired and black. So I have to argue with people all the time that she is in fact a German Shepherd. Yeah. You know, a different dog didn't sneak into the Guiding Eyes breeding kennel at night. Yeah, no kidding. definitely a German Shepherd. (laughs) Um, So she made it through the program. She did great on her IFT, went into harness training, was in harness training for about six months got to that last phase and was starting to kind of slow down in the work that she was doing. Wasn't always enjoying working with different handlers. Mm. She was attached to her main trainer. So guiding eyes said, you know what, let's give her a little break. 
see what it is that, you know, why isn't she enjoying the job like we would like her to? Yeah. And so after that break, she decided, you know what, I want to be a pet. So she was close to becoming a guide dog, but ultimately that wasn't the career she wants. So again, I got that phone call that can both be heartbreaking, (sighs) but also, you know, you get the opportunity to take the dog back. Um, Napa always kind of had a special place in my heart. She was very sick when she was a puppy. She went through Pano when she was on program, which is um, kind of like growing pains that a dog can get where they might start limping. Oh Um, no. So when she was released and she reminded me very much of my first pet dog that had passed away before I got Okawa. Mm. Hello everyone, this is Emily and I wanted to take a moment to talk about insurance. How many of you out there do not like dealing with insurance? I was one of those and when I met Shelly Montevice from Country Financial, that all changed. I didn't understand insurance, I didn't understand what I needed, what I wanted, and why it was so expensive. Well, Shelly took the time. I am working with her on my business insurance for both Rapid and Prairie Consultants, and she helps me make sense of it. She helps me understand what I'm getting, why I'm getting it, and how to make it more affordable. So, if you have always thought that insurance is a racket, you need to reach out to Shelly Montevice at Country Financial, and you can find her contact information in the show notes below. So Napa got adopted back, and she could not be happier to be a pet. She loves to go on walks on streets like she is a guide dog. She knows she's not a real-time guide dog. She doesn't yeah. have that pressure and that responsibility, but I can see where she enjoys that type of work but it just wasn't for her. Yeah. Yeah. So they are now my puppy mentors for Hobie. They're doing the best they can. We're doing all the best we can, but (laughs) he's a handful. That's so funny because I was going to ask with that follow-up question is (laughs) because I have a a very good dog, Bevy, and then I have a very bad dog, Bailey. And (laughs) how do you keep them from influencing each other? But since both of your current dogs are former grad, former um, guy or in training, I should say, um, they have better manners than my dog. <laughs> they do, but manners definitely get loosened once they become a pet. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> so when they're on program, they aren't allowed on furniture or in mm-hmm. the bed because we want to leave it up to the graduates decision. It's hard to once a dog has been allowed on furniture or the bed to tell them, well, no, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. So Guiding Eyes likes to leave it up to the graduate if when they are placed with that person, if they decide that it's okay, at that point, the dog can be on the furniture. So when they're on program, no bed, no couch, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It probably took Ocala a month to convince me it was okay to sleep <laughs> on the bed. <laughs> Napa it took a little longer. Uh, she was probably home for six, eight months. And then she was also allowed on the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, But for people who are interested in puppy raising and already have a dog in the household, there can totally be separate sets of rules for the guiding eyes puppy and for your own personal pet. And it always amazes me like Hobie and every other dog I've raised. They have never tried to get on the couch. They've never tried to get on the bed. They get to do other fun things. They get to go with me to work. They get to go out and, you know, work, do street work and stuff like that. So there's give and take with with each and they know their role and what the goal is with them. 
It's so funny. Bevy will not get on. We'll like, we'll like, come here, come here, come here. And she'll jump up <laughs> and then she'll like lay there for a second. And then she jumps off. Yeah. Or <laughs> the only other thing, she's sneaky at night. She sleeps on the couch and you'll come oh, out okay. there if you come out quietly and she jumps down. Like she's like, <laughs> oh God, I got caught. <laughs> but she will never like just snuggle up and get comfortable. She, okay. does, she does. Yeah. No, but she, yeah. at night she thinks she's sneaky. <laughs> uh, so it's pretty funny. So the question for all dog lovers listening is how do you let these dogs go? Yes. And that is the number one question we hear and it it is difficult. You know, I'm not going to lie. It is is hard. It's bittersweet. There are tears letting them go, but there's the anticipation of what career path are they going to choose? And it's one of those things in life that the reason that it is so hard is because it has meant so much to you. Mm-hmm. It's because you care so much. What you get out of the program is amazing. Um, a slogan that a lot of puppy raisers like to use is raise a puppy, change a life. Mm-hmm. But I feel that slogan comes with a little asterisk that the life that's changed is your own. Mm. So, wow. you know, it's, it's just an amazing gift you can give to someone And when you look at it as a dog that isn't yours, it's a dog that's been given to you by guiding eyes to go on and do this thing bigger than yourself. It's a gift you can pass on to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Do puppy raisers get kicked out of being puppy raisers? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Generally, no. I mean, (laughs) with guiding eyes and, you know, the number one priority is always the health and safety of the dog. Yeah. So there may be a situation where maybe the dog is just too much for the razor to handler handle. And in that case, it's, it can be best for all parties that maybe the dog goes to someone else. Okay. Um, but they, they work with you providing all resources that they can to make because similar to the match of a guide dog to a graduate, the puppies are also matched with the puppy raisers based on personalities, living situations, stuff like that. So they do everything they can to make sure that match works and it's as positive experience as possible for everyone. Okay. Okay. Good. I can just imagine some people, I won't mention names in my life, be like, <laughs> I can raise a puppy because they're cute dogs, but have no rules. And <laughs> yes, yeah, you do. Oh, well, and he's the- cute. He's just a puppy. He'll get past it. <laughs> yes. Yep. And, you know, before you even get your puppy, we do have what's called a puppy pre-placement class that you take. Mm. And that's where we do set out very clear. These are the rules the dog is going to have to follow. And as a puppy raiser, you need to help the guiding eyes mission in following those rules with your dog. Yeah. Okay. Um, Another question and more of a a statement as well, just to clarify, is it always fun and easy to be a puppy raiser and have another dog and have a dog by your side all day, every day? It isn't. Um, But, you know, I like to call it a character building experience because things in life don't always go your way. Mm-hmm. As humans, we like to think we have control over everything. You know, I want this dog to become a guide dog. And so I would like them to be perfect all the time. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you learn so much empathy in working with these dogs for them to be successful. You have to look at the world through their eyes and what mm. they need. And there's a lot of times where you have to take a deep breath and you might say, you know what, right now in this moment, this is not a good time for us to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the pup can get overwhelmed. You as the handler can get overwhelmed and that's a time to just take the break. So, and these are challenging dogs. Like I said, the ones that would be the pets that cuddle up in your lap and wanna lay at your feet all day, those would probably be released from the program. Mm -hmm. It's the dogs that have the drive um, that want to challenge and problem solve. Those are the ones that are in the program. They're the ones that sometimes make you wanna pull your hair out. Uh But, and in the end, it can be funny because sometimes those harder dogs are the hardest ones to let go because you've learned so much from them. You've invested so much in them. Um, Yep. Just like with anything, there's ups and downs, but it's worth it in the end. Yeah. And I think that's one thing a lot of people misunderstand about, you know, us having guide dogs is that it's, oh, I wish I could bring my dog to work every day. Oh, I wish I could take my dog everywhere. It's, it's just another thing to prepare for and pack for, and you got to make sure you have their water and their poop bags. And their if you're out for a long day, their food for that night. I mean, it's not always this like amazing thing and you're carrying a leash and you're carrying yep. one more thing. I mean, it's just like some people only see the benefit of having a dog there with you. Yes. The dog has to be t- taken care of. So it's like having a child with you instead of going exactly. to work without your child. And so, yes. yes, she is extremely helpful and amazing. And we have a bond, you know, stronger than her and anybody else in my family, but it's a lot of work. It's not mm-hmm. always this blissful amazingness. <laughs> yes. I, I could not agree more. When I go to the grocery store and my dog's at home, I can do it in about a third of the time. <laughs> I feel almost naked that I don't have a leash in my hand. It's yeah. like, why do, why can I be so focused? And I have all these hands where I can do all these things. <laughs> Um, and anytime, especially with the puppies, if you are taking them on a socialization outing, it's on their watch, it's on their timeline, what they can handle. And you always have to be fully prepared to leave if it's overwhelming for the dog. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there, yes, it, it can be fun, but it's a responsibility. So well, and just the other piece of the dogs reading you, like if you're having a stressful day, And, you know, they're looking over to sniff or whatever, and you're snapping at them because you've had a stressful day and then they get overwhelmed. It's like this, or they just read it off of you. And so it's just like, sometimes as a handler, you have to stop and be like, okay, this isn't your fault. This isn't my fault. This is, we are not jiving. I'm having a bad day. You're trying to figure out how to fix it. (laughs) Yep. It's just like any close relationship. It's Uh sometimes the ones closest to you that you, I don't want to say lash out on, cause that's a very strong term, but yeah. who can poke you when you're frustrated and exactly. <laughs> they give you that unconditional love. So sometimes you take a little bit of an advantage of that, but a hundred percent, your attitude with the handler, um, can affect the dog. Oh, and yeah. you know, the one little thing could be more frustrating than it normally would be. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, okay, so you said the last three dogs you've trained are shepherds. Do you have a preference as a per- puppy raiser? Do they say you've been great with the shepherds so you can, you know, because shepherds are way different than labs. Mm-hmm. That's um, for those of you who don't know out there, very different personalities, very different. <laughs> They're hilarious. Um, yes. I've never had a shepherd. So when I was a kid, I was raised with labs. We had a black lab and my grandfather had a black lab and then we had goldens, like all the people loving dogs in the world. Um, And so now Bevy's my first shepherd and man, personality (laughs) and attitude. 
and she knows she's way smarter than me. <laughs> and she's <laughs> like, why are you telling me what to do when I clearly know better than you? That's what she looks at me like. I'm like, really? I mean, we have more conversations at the street corners than anyone oh, I know. Sure. <laughs> she just looks at me like, I don't need to sit. Like, what are you talking about, weirdo? Uh, but so do you prefer shepherds or do you, have you just had really good success with them? So they keep putting shepherds with you. How does that work? So I actually do prefer the shepherds. Um, about 90 to 95% of the dogs that Guiding Eyes currently breeds are labs. Mm -hmm. So the shepherds are the smaller percentage. They're definitely trying to work up the shepherd program. They've been breeding labs for so long. They just have such a strong genetic line. Yeah. So the, sh the shepherds are still kind of a work in progress. Um, and I think that's kind of why I like them. I like the challenge. You can definitely have some labs that are very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of I, the way I like to compare the shepherds to the labs, it's almost like two different cultures and the ways that they might show love. Mm -hmm. So a lab is that okay. friend that when they leave the room, even if it's just to go to the bathroom, they say, I love you to everybody. They hug everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, their affection is on their sleeve. They are showing it to the world. Mm-hmm. where shepherds can tend to show their love through their actions and in more subtle ways. Mm. So, you know, they like Bevy, you know, may not want to sit, but it's because she thinks she knows better. And so she's <laughs> making that decision for you. That is her love and how she takes care of you. Mm -hmm. um, and so shepherds just kind of, and that's the emotional aspect to it. Um, the more physical aspect to it, shepherds can be very visual I swear I'm a better driver after having worked with shepherds because I can spot something from like oh. a mile away trying to be ahead of the dog before they see it. Oh, that's um, funny. <laughs> so shepherds are more visual. They can definitely be more challenging, sometimes more impulsive. Mm -hmm. um, so my preference just tends to be a shepherd. Generally, your first puppy is a lab just because of their resiliency. Um, but Guiding Eyes is great about listening to their puppy raisers and what they are looking for in a puppy mm. to raise. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's been interesting with Bevy because I still have sight. What I love about her and her big old ears are. Oh yes. <laughs> the giant ears. But when, <laughs> like you're saying that visual piece, she sees something way, 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 way before I do. But I know something's coming because she is looking and her ears mm -hmm. are way up. So I can see that her big ears sticking out there. And so I can be prepared or at least alert to for something. I don't know what it is, whether it's a yeah. human or a dog or something she's noticing a lot of times squirrels. Yes. <laughs> um, but she definitely tells me a lot by, by the visual aspect of her and how she postures. <clears throat> yes. And um, that shows the relationship that you guys have, that you're able to read her in that way. Absolutely. That's yeah. Such a huge part of it. A lot of people have the misconception that a guide dog is a GPS. You say, I want to go to the store. <laughs> And they take you there. And again, going back to the piece that you said about how um, there is a lot of responsibility and work involved. Mm -hmm. It's a partnership. It's you reading her and her reading you. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a, <clears throat> there's times where, you know, especially since I have family and kids where she's in harness and she's, but I'm not holding on to the handle necessarily, but we have 
Um, and I think it was somebody, one of the trainers also told us this in school that even when you're on heel, which is when you just have the leash in your hand, but not the harness, mm -hmm. we have a relationship where she still knows that she's kind of still working and she's helping mm -hmm. me out, even though I'm not holding the harness. Cause I might be holding on to my daughter too, or my husband or something, but yeah. we still communicate. She will still make sure she's guiding me through, um, any obstacles, even though I'm not holding that handle. Awesome. Um, and so for the listeners who don't know how necessarily guide dogs work, if you're holding onto the harness handle, which is that harder, more stiff handle um, for guiding eyes, it's leather for other um, schools, it may be different. Um, that to the dog means that they are in charge. They are working. They are there to guide you around whatever obstacles may, may happen. And when you're holding onto the leash, it means that they're there and they're still working. They still need to behave, but they're not technically running the show, if you will. But that's the way Bevy and I have started to work um, just because I have so many <laughs> distractions at sometimes. <laughs> um, if we're walking through the store and Kennedy's pulling me one way and Bevy's pulling me the other, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> and so, you know, but she and I really have, and I, at first I was like, oh my gosh, am I messing her up? Am I doing something wrong? But we've just figured out she just knows like, yeah, I'm always kind of on duty, even if mom's doing 10 other things. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's, it's been awesome. It's been an experience. And I think for me, and I think a lot of visually impaired people who are, you know, getting their first dog or their vision is decreasing, but there's still sight. It's a trust game. It is because I have relied on the minimal sight that I've had for so long prior to Bevy. That I'm just, it's ingrained in me. Like you have to either see it or not. Like that's yeah. how I um, kind of evolved. Um, and so now learning to trust her still to this day after two years, three years almost. Yeah. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> I, I don't see what you're seeing. And then I'm like, oh, that's why. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this trust game because we've just relied on our site for so long, but it's not really trustworthy sight <laughs> <laughs> and how much the dogs pick up once you, um, I oh, remember yeah. the nighttime, um, at school, we did a pitch black on the side of this highway and you're, there's a barrier. So I don't think it's too scary for those of you who don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. There's a barrier, but it's pitch black, but it's for a lot of us like myself who still have sight. But when you put us in a pitch black environment, we have to trust the dog. There is oh, no yeah. choice. There is no option. And you have to trust the dog. And so you just have to let go. And, and Bevy knows when I can't see anything, she knows she is pulling hard. Yeah. She is pulling strong. She knows I can't see. And then when she knows I can kind of see something, she's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but she definitely knows when I need her big time. It's, it's really interesting to uh, oh, wow. experience for sure. Yeah. So, well, so do you puppy raise for, do you or other puppy raisers raise for two different schools ever? Um, I have only raised for guiding eyes. Mm -hmm. um, some people will raise for a lot of the guide dog schools can almost be regional in their puppy raising regions. So okay. like I said, when I first started, really the only opportunity to raise for a guide dog school was guiding eyes. Okay. There are other service dog schools that some people will raise for. And some people do, they'll do one dog for guiding eyes, another dog maybe for blue path service dogs, maybe another mm. one 
for Canine Companions for Independence. And it just kind of gives you a little mix. I have just so thoroughly enjoyed all of my experiences with Guiding Eyes that that's my place as a volunteer. So yeah. that's where I've right. stayed. I would think that, you know, the, um, the, I know there's slight subtleties. And if you ask the guide dog world, this is <laughs> very controversial. <laughs> that, you know, each school kind of has similar philosophies, definitely, definitely similar, yeah. but some of the commands are different. Yes. Some of the, um, the training styles are different. And so a lot of times when people get like, I will forever be a guiding eye student, like that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and mostly my loyalty to anything. That's how I am. <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I think people do find their school and stick with it. And that's great that we have options, but mm -hmm. I would think being a puppy raiser and having even those slight differences, differentiations of like the training and the commands would be also difficult in one household. Yes. Yep. Consistency is so important with mm -hmm. raising these dogs. Um, confidence builds off of consistency. So if the, and it's not that the guiding eyes techniques have always been the same in the eight years that I've been raising, they're constantly evolving the techniques that they give their razor because the dogs that they're breeding are evolving because the community that they're serving also evolves. Yeah, yeah. Um, shepherds are a very high demand right now, and that's why they're improving that program. And in moving to shepherds, you kind of have to have a larger toolbox for your puppy raisers to work with those dogs. <laughs> so just because it's, and you know, you go from a first time raiser and me having raised six dogs, I still feel like a newbie. We have raisers in our region that have raised 30. Oh my gosh. And you would think after you've raised 30 dogs, oh, a dog's a dog. And they, you know, have all the answers. Every dog is so different. Wow. So there is no monotony or boredom in puppy raising whatsoever. You oh learn goodness. something from every dog. No one has all the answers. We all work together to try and find an answer or something to help us get where we need the dog to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I want your 90 pounder. Oh, it's so big. <laughs> this yes. is only about 60, 68 to 70 is kind of, well, we'll see with COVID, but yes. <laughs> we're trying to keep it. Um, 90 pounds. How do you yep. even have a harness that big? That's exciting. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know. And I go from, cause I, I do spend most of my time with him and then I'll go to work with one of my other dogs. And it's like, when did you get so tiny? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh my gosh. Okay. So on that note, how has COVID changed? I'm, I know I've been hearing from the guide community a little bit, but not, I don't stay on social media hardly at all. But how has COVID affected the guide dog world, the visually impaired blind folks that from what you have all seen and heard, what has Guiding Eyes been telling all of you? So um, Guiding Eyes is located, their training school is in Yorktown Heights, New York, which was very close to um, New Rochelle where the first COVID outbreak was. Mm. And they were actually in the middle of a class of oh Guiding Eyes gosh. graduates. And just like with a, you know, with a lot of people, when COVID hit, it was like, we need to do something and we need to do something now. Yeah. So they did an amazing job of getting those graduates out as safely as they could with these brand new dogs. Like you said, they're learning how to use them. The dog's learning how to work with them. Um, so that was kind of when it all first hit from the training perspective, those dogs that were in training at any one time, they have about 150 dogs in the kennel at the training school. Yeah. You would never know it 
It's uh-uh. immaculately kept. You go there, you know, you don't hear dogs barking. It's, they do just such a wonderful job. So again, to keep staff safe, they had to get the dogs out of those training kennels. So some puppy raisers whose dogs had just gone back, they got the opportunity to oh. get them back again. Yeah. Um, some dogs went home with their trainer. So at that time, I actually had my fifth dog, a yellow lab, Ambry. And actually, she was a big girl. She was about 80 pounds. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. She was in training and she went home with her trainer. Okay. So you have some trainers that my God, I don't know how many dogs they had in their houses oh at God. that time. <laughs> Everyone well, just like a billion dogs anyway. Yes. Yes. Like six at one trainer's house. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And they just all step up to do what needs to be done. So yeah. the speed at which they were able to get the graduates out with their dogs, get the dogs out. Um, they had to put breeding on hold. Puppy classes we had to put on hold. Wow. Um, we would do some virtual classes. And as far as, you know, dogs that would go back, obviously, if you cleared out the training school, these dogs that are with puppy raisers that would be going back to the training school, that has to be put on hold. So the guiding eyes mantra to always use a pencil that has never been truer than in the times of COVID. Um, So, and that's just kind of the operational aspect of guiding Mm -hmm. eyes from the puppy raiser perspective. Normally I would be working in the office and Hobie would be coming in to work with me, which is Mm -hmm. such a great experience for him. Mm -hmm. I've been working from home since last March and I got uh, Hobie in, I believe it was June. And so he hasn't had that experience. Yeah. Um, It's different for sure. Yeah. A lot of our puppies haven't really been around people. Mm -hmm. Um, There's times I'm working at my desk and he comes up and he stares at me like, what are we going to (laughs) do? I want to stay here all day. Um, so just like with so many people, it's presented so many challenges. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, Bevy was with me every day at work and then, and it's just different now. Like when she's at home, I can, she stays in here sometimes with me, but then if she hears racket outside in the living room with the family or the other dog or whatever, she's like, Oh, let's go. And so it's not like yeah. I can just lock her in here. Like it's work time. Cause it's still home. Yeah. And she knows it's still home. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, think I don't have my full-time job anymore. So I, um, was laid off in August. And so I've just been doing my two businesses since then. So I don't think I have a work environment to go back to. Yeah. Well, and you're like, I love how you're just like, just two businesses. Just two. That's, that's all it. I'm doing is two <laughs> businesses that I fully run. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> um, but it's still keeping her engaged. And I think yep. that's what happened with her teeth. I, we just had two teeth come out because of she, she cracked them, but we're trying to keep her entertained here at home. Yes. And yep. she just went crazy on her bones and we didn't know it. <laughs> yes, so. we all get very creative trying to keep our minds and our dog's minds engaged during this time. I'm wondering how many dogs will need to retire after this, um, Mm -hmm. what that looks like, just because the lack of exposure to anything, just like humans, (laughs) um, what will happen when we all go back to whatever normal is. Um, Yeah, it it does surprise me the resilience of these dogs, mm -hmm. because with everything, there's nurture and nature and they have that nature piece of being bred to be so adaptable mm-hmm. and wanting to work. Um, and Guiding Eyes has had a lot of successful teams graduated in the past Absolutely. year. Yeah. Um, they actually ended up purchasing an RV 
So the dog that I raised, Ambry, she did a nice little road trip out to Washington State oh, and was placed and graduated with someone out there. So even during Perfect. COVID times, they've been able to keep things running. West and... Coast dog. That's what I like. Yes. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Oh, that is good. I didn't know they did the RV thing. I knew they were doing a lot of home trainings. Yes. Um, and there's one of my coworkers. He's uh, been referred and I was one of her, his referrals to get a new dog. <clears throat> when I met him, his do- current dog was retiring and then through business, he runs a business as well and COVID and everything else. He, I think he should be getting paired up for a, a home, a home nice. training here soon. How so, exciting. Yeah. I know it's exciting. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much. Is there anything else before we wrap up that you want to tell the visitors about guide dogs and uh, about puppy raising where they can get involved if they do want to um, become a puppy raiser? Yes, absolutely. Um, If you're interested in guiding eyes, whether you're in need of a guide dog or volunteer opportunities as a puppy raiser, you can go to guidingeyes.org. There's a ton of information on the site. Um, I highly encourage anyone to become a puppy raiser. Like I said at the beginning, you don't need a background in dog training. You just need to have a safe home with an open heart be willing to laugh, sometimes cry, (laughs) um, but it is all worth it. Um, Just such an amazing experience. And you get to meet wonderful people like Emily, like she said at the beginning, um, you know, we've only met in person once, but again, you know, close to someone that you've only met one time, um, just such an amazing experience and community of people. Absolutely. And it's just that I, I love sending pictures of Bevy and us to Sarah and just because I know what it's like to be a dog lover and have a dog and how much energy yep. and effort you had to put into this yes. <laughs> amazing beast that's incredibly stubborn <laughs> and hilarious and wonderful. Yep. And so it's just like, no, if I was, if I was in that position, I would want to see how she was doing. So, yes. And, and I so appreciate you following up because um, we love to know where our dogs are. Oh, yes. um, it's just, it's so rewarding. Okay. Well, thank you so much and happy International Guide Dog Day, everyone. Today is International, oh, it's International Service Dog Day, I should say. So that is why we're putting this episode out today. So thank you so much, Sarah, and um, definitely stay in touch and we'll be connecting soon. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me here today at Human Is My Label. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and coworkers. Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N.org. You can find me at emily.purry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day and I can't wait to see you next week. Thank you.